Welcome once again to Inside LAFC, a podcast here that will be changing a little bit. Many of the loyal listeners since the Max and Vince podcast went off the air, I'm sure, still with us, and we appreciate your support. This is obviously challenging to do without Vince. Uh, We really enjoyed doing these for you. We got a great response. Uh, I miss him, and uh, I hope he can uh, do something again in the future. I talk to him all the time. I actually called him today to see how he's doing. And he's doing well. So uh, the uh, Hire Vince, uh, uh, what is it called? Hashtag is out there if you want to do it. But he's uh, he's in good space. But the show must go on. And uh, I do really enjoy, we watch so much LAFC. We're with the team. We're with every element. So I th- figure it's a great resource to come out here and talk about it. So we'll continue to do that. We'll probably rebrand it. Maybe you guys can suggest some names. Max Live or something that not, we have Max Lives on our Instagram. The Max Podcast has to be very easy. I like to use Max. We have five Maxes in our LAFC uh, workforce. So outside of Alex and another name, it's the third most popular name at LAFC. So I'm very proud about that. One of five Maxes. So I'm just Max B at the workplace. But we'll move forward, and uh, obviously a lot to discuss here. As LAFC book a spot in the quarterfinals of the MLS's back tournament in Orlando. Now they get ready to take on Orlando City on Friday. Won't be easy. I'll preview that here in a few minutes. But obviously a huge win for LAFC. And when you look at all the impressive wins and history will tell us how important MLS's back is tournament is going to be. I think history is going to look fondly upon this and the NWSL Challenge Cup and the end of the NBA season because these are unique circumstances and people always remember. Do you remember the time of COVID, how we coped with sports? And those teams can take a lot of pride in saying, we won it that year. And hopefully this is a one-off tournament. So this winning this tournament carries even more weight, regardless of what the prize money is and the CONCACAF Champions League spot. Every team, and I, certainly LAFC, would be excited to say, hey, we won this tournament, and then we went on to one MLS Cup, and then history will look very kindly upon you. Bob Bradley, John Thorrington, Tom Penn, everyone involved with this club, they want, they've always been, and I remember Tom told me this, he goes, Bob and John aren't either an either-or guy. They are, why can't we do both? When I asked them about the CONCACAF Champions League and MLS, so they're in it, and clearly they wanted to win it, you could see. The Seattle game was one of the most impressive performances I've seen. Even though LAFC relinquished the majority of possession, it was about 60-40. They were so succinct and deliberate and sharp with their possession. They started quickly and they ended the attacks quickly. They took advantage of a team. And I was talking into Mark Rogandino as we did our postgame show. I go, I think Seattle's going to be rusty because they have eight days between games. And eight days between games is already a lot when everyone else is getting four or five days. You know, the tournament wasn't perfect with teams pulling out. It was hard to do it in a uniform manner. But eight days is when you're in a bubble where you're doing the same thing and you can't really go out and see your family and friends and do your own thing, get in your car and drive off. Eight days in that bubble has to be really difficult. And I could see that etched in the the actions of Seattle Sounders. I think LAFC was the better team regardless. But the way they were able to just jump on top of a Seattle team, which they were not be able to do, I think that is part of what we saw here on Monday night. Uh, LAFC with now 15 goals in four games. Diego Rossi getting a couple more. He has seven. 
Brian Rodriguez, after a so-so first half, was electrifying in the second half. And the goal he scored at the end, to me, was just a, a goal very few people in this league can score, where you, you win it running on 30 meters. You start it off your right foot. You cut it to your left foot. He's right-footed, and he finishes off his left foot. Being able to use two feet is m- massive in this sport. I always tell kids when they're learning, it's the first thing I say. I go, listen to your coaches and try and learn to use both your feet because it'll get you out of it. You won't, people can read you if they know you're going to go to your right all the time. Like Lionel Messi, he goes to his left all the time, but he's a, he's a freak. So what can we say about that? By the way, I didn't mention it, but I will be joined by Keith Costigan. And it's difficult because he, he does what I do for the Seattle Sounders. We're going to talk about the game a little bit. But I also want to talk to him about the, the example that the Sounders could set. The, the Sounders have always been successful. And it took them a while to make an MLS Cup. And then it took them a while to win in an MLS Cup. But they got there. And I think LAFC, looking at that trajectory should see things that they are doing that will tell them that they can be as successful as Seattle has been with regards to winning MLS Cups. I don't think there's much doubt about it when you see how impressive LAFC is. I'll talk to Keith here in a few minutes. The The game against Seattle, to me, was maybe one of the biggest games anyone will play. I don't want to diminish winning MLS Cup. I mean, MLS is back because... Like everything I just said, how important it is. If you don't win it, it's it's a bit of a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen. Guys could get injured, this, that, or the other. You don't get enough rest. You get too much rest, and you may not be able to win it. It's not a, a perfect uh, mechanism to find out who the best team there is, just like we've seen in many other competitions like this. You want to win it, but at the very least, with an MLS season coming your way and whatever follows that, you want to get as many games as possible. Obviously, every player there is thinking about going home. They miss their family. They miss their pets. They miss their creature comforts. And they want to get back to that. So whoever wins this is going to have to stay there till August 11th. So by the time I'm recording this, this is another two weeks plus. It's a long time after you've already been in Orlando for two, three weeks. But... If you get knocked out in the group stages of the round of 16, you're going home to train. You're going home to train and train and just keep on training. No games. That is, that's hard work when you talk to players. The, the games are the payoff. The games are what you train so hard for. We don't have a date set with regards to when MLS comes back. There has, there's a report on The Athletic, if you care to read it. Those are reporters. That's not from Major League Soccer, but an idea about how to get games back in markets. With everything that's happening with Major League Baseball, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because we just don't know the uh, the landscape's going to look like in the era of COVID. We hope for the best. I'm hoping for the best. But it could be back in late August. It could be back in September when they start playing games. To get back to my initial point, if you get knocked out where the Sounders did, imagine LAFC got knocked out on Monday. They're back home. Wednesday, train, train, train. Train for a week, train for another week, and you're watching this tournament unfold, and you're probably saying to yourself, that'd be nice if we were there still playing games because it beats this training. And I'm sure if you ask Bob Bradley and company, games give you a better idea. And they've talked to him about, I mean, I asked him a question about the goalkeepers, and he says, without the, the, the proper preseason, these games are massive in determining who's going to be the number one. 
Throughout the group stages, although Kenneth Vermeer took a big step forward against Seattle, the goalkeeping job, according to everyone at LFC, was still up for grabs. And he said, getting these games is how he is going to determine that. So now you have another game. These games are goals. Now, if they lose to Orlando, which I don't think they will, then LFC comes home and then the tournament's over in 10 days. That's not terrible. And you get five games. Five games is good. Six games is great. Seven games, you're at the final. But five games you can you can be content with and wait for the season to start. Three, four games, I don't think that leaves you a hole. So that's why this game was big. It was a big rivalry win. And I, although I think this is not as big of a rivalry as LA Galaxy or Portland because LAFC has beaten Seattle every time, but one exception. <clears throat> so good news for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's quickly go through Orlando. LAFC will be a favorite. They should win this game. Orlando has been a team that's never made the playoffs, and they've looked awful. They got a new coach, Oscar Pareja, and in MLS's back, they are getting that new coach rub, which is to say that under a new coach and his new thoughts, there's that immediate good play that Orlando's going. Does it have staying power? Maybe not this clip, but I think they're going to be better. I think they're a playoff team, and I pull for Orlando because they had a lot of enthusiasm. They had fans like we here at LAFC did. They had... Uh, a stadium that they can be proud of, and then the team has just been terrible. So this is really a good development for them, and Oscar Pareja is the coach. I, I There's things I like about the, – he plays an attractive style. I don't know if he's going to be aggressive against LAFC because there's an opportunity, I think, as every team, as you hear it, ad nauseum, they try to get the balls behind the fullbacks. Even though against Seattle, Tristan stayed back a lot, but you know, Chiki was up all the time. And I think it's going to be a similar lineup because Dayon back in there gave the physicality. They're really good up the middle. But the, the fullbacks, which is Jao Moutinho, former LAFC player, and Juan, those guys can be aggressive and really good. Jackson Mendez is a guy I like in the midfield. They don't have Dom Dwyer. He's out. Tesho Akindele is now the guy up front. Okay. Mauricio Pereira, another Uruguayan, is your midfielder who I think is good. They've gotten goals from Chris Mueller. And Nani's that guy, world-class player, that can kind of get them going when they need uh, a little kick over the edge. He's always involved in good plays, they do. So that starting 11's good. I don't think they're deep enough. I think LAFC, as the game goes on, is going to separate. The, the group that Orlando was in is interesting because in the quarterfinals, Philadelphia and New York City FC, which was in that Orlando group along with Miami, Philadelphia and New York City FC are in the quarterfinals. So three... Teams from that group made the quarters. That's always a good sign of how well that group was playing. It's going to be it's going to be tricky, but uh, LAFC with the three days rest that's going to challenge them a little bit. Just after not getting, I think four days rest. It's a lot of games, but I think in the bubble you want games, and we've heard from the players and the coaches the games and even the trainings are escapes from the humdrum of being in your hotel room and doing the same thing. So they will be looking forward to this. And if LAFC gets by there, then you're in for the long haul. Could get the earthquakes in the semis. I would love to see that. But we'll talk about that another time. Really excited to be back. I love the podcast format, and especially with LAFC, because we it's, it's something I, I, I can give you an expert opinion on because I'm there. And I, the club has been wonderful for me and with me, giving me access. Bob. Sometimes he's not always in the greatest mood, but he's oh, he, we ask him if we can get a few words. He always says yes. I know there's a lot of coaches that are not like that, so I appreciate that. And we put the time in. So we'll keep it coming. 
I'm going to take a quick break. When we return, Keith Costigan, who's been in, uh, in U.S. soccer as a broadcaster, as a coach, uh, and is also the voice of the Seattle Sounders, would join me. We'll talk a little bit about that game, and we'll, we'll preview the rest of MLS is back. This is the yet-to-be-named Max Project Inside the LAFC podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back here inside LAFC, the pod that's going to yet to be named. I don't want to get caught up in that. We'll just get right into the guest. Some call him Keithy. I call him Keith and Keithy sometimes if he's misbehaving. Keith Costigan, who has been, what, two decades almost covering this sport in the United States, coaching uh, at international soccer, and now the voice of the Seattle Sounders. That's it. That's quite an introduction. Yeah, you've given you me feel a couple old? more years. I did when when you said two decades. I was trying to scramble I to said, say it's, it's less than that. It's almost. I said but almost. Two I said almost two decades. What is it like? Fifteen years. I came in, yeah, about you know fifteen years into your career. So you, yeah, I'm fifteen. You're about thirty years in. So that, that makes it, that makes sense. I'm pushing twenty five years pretty soon covering this, which makes me feel good, but also not so good, but also good again because maybe I'm getting close to retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and I can move down in my boat wherever in Galveston, Texas, and see my final days. That's a bit dire. Let's get into it. Hey, I, I, I feel like I didn't bring you on here like to, to gloat because obviously it was a tough day for the Sounders. But uh, your thoughts on the game. But I, I want to get something here. And as always, looking at the Sounders as, a, as an excellent model, there's those rivalry aspects too. I'm not sure we're hitting them. Obviously, there was disappointment for LAFC getting knocked out of the Western Conference Finals, but they've had some moments against Seattle. How do you see that as a matchup, a rivalry so far, three years in for LAFC? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on. And uh, you know what I think of you as, as a broadcaster. So it's always a great pleasure to be on the, uh, on the same, I think that, I think on that's the same good. show as you. <laughs> Very good. Um, no, I, I think when you're successful, I don't think it's a natural rivalry because LAFC, the rivalry is going to be LA Galaxy. Uh, for Seattle, the rivalry is going to be Portland, but success breeds rivalry. So when you're a team that's, you know, you're winning championships and a new team comes in in LAFC, the, the, the natural look for LAFC is to look at the model of Seattle Sounders and how they've done things. So for me, over the last couple of seasons, style of play, unfilled product, I actually think LAFC have set the bar. Um, I know Sounders had an incredible result in the, in the conference finals last year against them tactically set up really really well but over the course of last year and a half i don't think anybody would argue consistency was at that very high level lafc have been top top level the sounders are always known as a team that get better with the tournament so who knows if lfc doesn't knock them out maybe they do one of these sounder-esque runs and and get to the final but how how would you rate their performance where did you think lafc found the most success they moved the ball so quickly in that final third so even though the Sounders were deep, we couldn't get near the, you know, Rodriguez or Rossi. And, and the movement was absolutely superb. So I think game plan wise from Bob, you didn't have that one centerpiece. Last year, it was around Vela. We knew if we stopped Vela, there was a good chance of winning. This year, the, the, the movement was, was from all over. Rossi was excellent. Rodriguez was excellent. And I think overall, the game plan from minute one from, from Bob was superb. When... Uh... The, the Sounders, offensively, they did get that goal to cut it to 2-1. But when you look at their attacking, because LAFC defensively has been, uh, hasn't been a strong point through the group yep. stages, but defensively a better effort here. How, what did you see from LAFC and how they were able to defend Jordan, Rui Diaz, and Lodero, obviously the, the, the three big guns there? 
Yeah, I, I think, um, and I would still say that's an issue for LAFC. If I'm, if I'm picking at anything moving forward, it's, it's how they've defended so far in this competition. Because, yeah, it was a great performance. But if I'm not mistaken, it's two wins out of four for LAFC. Uh, two games they haven't won. They've conceded in every game. Um, I thought what they did well was I thought Tyler uh, Blackman moving across to, to the same side as, as Jordan was a, was a good tactical move. I thought he did a, a good job on Jordan. But I actually thought the Sounders were slow getting the ball forward to Nico, to Raul Rui Diaz, and that allowed LAFC to recover defensively. Overall, I, I didn't think the Sounders did that. You can credit the front three of LAFC, who worked incredibly hard. What a pickup, by the way, Bradley Ray Phillips. What, what a player to add to your squad. But those three made it really difficult for the Sounders to play out of the back. You add in the, the errors that we saw from the Sounders defenders, and it was always going to be a recipe for disaster. Bob Bradley will be thrilled to hear you say that, that the front three complicated <laughs> Seattle's efforts. Because he, he, he repeatedly says that, and, and it's what he lives by. He goes, defensively, we are a unit. From the goalkeeper to Carlos Vela or Diego Rossi, everyone plays out. So for that to be so evident is uh, obviously playing into LAFC's favor. Now, do you think it was, was good enough, that effort, or... Seattle may have left some, missed some opportunities to, to make those connections, or was it just a case of LAFC just being so smothering? I, I think a bit of both. You know, because I'm going to look at things from the Seattle side, I would probably be a little bit more critical of Seattle and their use of the ball at the back. You, you look at the goals, and I mean, Gustav Svensson, not, not very characteristic of him to make that kind of error. Um, you know, Ariaga made a couple of errors where you're like, eh, that, that, those things shouldn't happen in games. So, Although I thought LAFC did press well, and I think, you know, the, the, the players that you bring in are young, hungry DPs. They're not, you know, at the end of their career. They want to push on. So the, the work rate was very, very good. Having said that, I think if you asked Ariaga, if you asked Shane O'Neill and uh, Nuhu when he was on, I think they would say, look, we could have been a lot better in possession as well. We could have picked better options. We could have bypassed that pressure a little bit quicker. Um, but that should take nothing away from the performance of LAFC because they scored four. Realistically, they probably could have scored six or seven. I, in my opening segment, I talked about it, it's good to get through to the quarterfinals because now Seattle has to come back home and it's training for the three weeks at least, or if not longer. So, I mean, from what the, you guys talked about, Brian Schmetzer, and, and I've spoken to this with Bob Bradley about how it's obviously being in the bubble is a downer. To be there every day is a sacrifice. But once you're in there, it's you want to get these games, so it's probably a valuable practice to stay there as long as you can. Yeah, I would say as well, with the unknown, what we're watching now with baseball, uh, you know, they're, they're not in a bubble and all of a sudden you're hearing, well, this team is having, you know, uh, multiple players test positive. So there's that element of the unknown for the rest of this season. We're, we're not sure of anything. We're, we're in those kind of times where you can't take tomorrow or next week for granted. So um, I think Bob is, is, has been around long enough to understand, look, it, the, the most important game is the next game. And I think Bob wants to win. He wants to win trophies, whether MLS is back, tournament is seen by, by anybody as a, a major trophy or not. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to Bob. It's about his team representing and showing that they're the best in MLS come into this tournament without Carlos Vela uh, being available. They've been first class. And I think, you know, all the teams have. But I think getting to this stage, I think you're absolutely right. You would... You can talk what you want about being in the bubble. Yes, I want to get home. I want to be around family. But you want to be playing games if you're a professional soccer player. LAFC continue to do it. And, uh, and they'll be hoping to continue to play at the level they did against Seattle. Do you think people will remember 
who won MLS's back, they'll remember this tournament? Or is that something that kind of, I mean, we don't really remember seven, eight years ago who won MLS Cup. We, we do. We have the it all listed. You always sure. check it out. But do you think MLS's back will spark a unique reaction from MLS fans? I think we will never, ever forget this year <laughs> for, for <laughs> all, of, all of the reasons. So I, I happen to think that MLS have done an incredible job of, of putting this together. I remember when it was happening and people were saying, oh, you know, these the, the, I'm European, but you have these old, oh, it's not a real tournament. You, you do your English accent really well. Um, and I'm going, what else could MLS oh, do Oh, blasphemy this. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, I, it was, I, I was, was really impressed. Yeah, Sorry, for, go for ahead, me, go was, ahead, Keith. You know, no, no, I mean, for me, it was how do we make these games relevant? You, you made the, the group stage games, league games, really smart move because everyone wants to go on and, and, and move on. And when you're in knockout stages, you can't, nobody can tell me any team isn't going out there to win. You couldn't tell me looking at, you know, Nico Ladero last night, he wasn't frustrated and upset coming off the field at the end. Players are competitive. They wanted to win. And, and when you're in the knockout stages of a competition, why not want to win it? And, and I do believe... I don't know whether this is the first, the last, the only MLS is back we're ever going to see. Um, but I, I think 2020 will be remembered. And, you know, I, I think this competition will be remembered. And that's one of the reasons why I'm sure LAFC want to lift that trophy. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things you said. We don't know if there's, we hope there's not another MLS is back. But everything's changed. We don't know. Like, I was thinking baseball's going from 162 to 60 games. Maybe they have a 60-game season. I go, this was pretty good. People really tuned in, and all of a sudden they say, let's make it a 100-game season because traditionally they won't, won't do it. So maybe MLS says, you know what, we're going to start off with the tournament. You'll have the regular season games, and we'll go in. I, I doubt it, but, you know, everything's on the table. And the second thought was I, when they, they announced this tournament, I had my doubts. I was rolling my eyes, but everything was good. The testing was good. People on Twitter screaming for it to be canceled. I won't mention any names, but it was like one after the other especially when the, the Dallas test came in. And, you know, MLS has to be really concerned at that point. But they tightened it up, and there's no positive test. So, you know, hats off to them. And I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, it's been a great distraction. Apologize, we had a little technical difficulties. But uh, I know Keith and I were, were talking about uh, the doubts that we had for MLS's back, generally speaking. And I just wanted to finish with this uh, quickly and – there are, if someone says to me we shouldn't have sports because there's more important things to do, I would. Uh, there's more important things to focus on. I, I, I kind of brush that off because if the people internally in sports want to do this, these tournaments, and everyone's on board, and the players and the league is on board, then we should do it regardless of those thoughts. Now, if the argument is you're putting them into an unsafe environment, then I obviously can. Sure. It's a different. It's a different animal. But they really hit the spots here with the safety. We didn't know at the beginning, but it, it looks like they're in the clear. Yeah, I, I think the issues were with, with players in their own environment coming in. That's what we saw with the clubs. But to have four or five different tests come back positive is, is a, a testament to how well thought out and how well planned this was. So I, I think it's exceeded expectations. I thought that when, when the Bundesliga started, the Bundesliga came back initially and, and they handled it very well. And, and I thought that's going to be a little bit more difficult here because America is so vast, players coming in from so many different places, but top marks for MLS, top marks for NWSL as well for, for what they've done too. And they had issues like MLS at the beginning yeah. also with, with, with their Orlando franchise. And I, I think history's going to look really well on the Germans in the Bundesliga. I think there's, when there's a book written about sports coming back, that's the meat and potatoes of this story. Quickly, with MLS is back, how do you see it going forward with, 
we're recording this on a Tuesday, so there's still 10 teams remaining. How do you see it moving forward? Who, who do you seem to think might have an upper hand and who, what matchups would you like? Or what, what, what do we walk away from this tournament with? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think LAFC have shown us that they're not a one-man team. Not that, you know, I think anybody who's in the league knew that already. They're, it's such a well-built team by John and, and Bob. So I think LAFC are one of the teams that, you know, the expectations are they'll be there or thereabouts at the end. I've been super impressed with what Caleb's done at Columbus. They already have an identity. And I really feel like Caleb has a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder because of how things ended in Portland. He's a, a young, still a young coach. And he's saying, look, I, I want to prove to everyone that I'm top level. Um, and I like that. I, I, you know, I like that he wants to do that as well. And I think Minnesota are that sneaky team as well, where Adrian is kind of underplaying how good this group are. Oh, we're not very good. Look at LAFC. Look at Columbus. So those are the three teams that, you know, I pick out and say, They've they've played at a very good level so far. I would I would watch for those three. But again, it's MLS. I would not bet money on anybody because on any given day you, you simply never know what's going to happen. But those are the teams that I would pick <laughs> to be there at the end or thereabouts. No, no one's buying that that Adrian Heath. Your your team's unbeaten. No. You're not sneaky. <laughs> but uh, I'm with you, and I've been really pleasantly surprised. A because you get to watch all these teams uh, m- multiple times, but. You know the, the the growth in Columbus, Orlando, Philadelphia, San Jose. These are this is this is a big deal for those clubs because they've had a, a chance to see what they've got in game situations. So I'm excited. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your beloved Liverpool. Does is anything get taken? I I for one say there's no asterisks to this season, but there's probably going to be put one by there. But this was a, a remarkable season for one of the best clubs I've ever seen over a three year span. What is the legacy of, of your Reds oh, as I, it I mean, pertains look, to this season? Yeah, I, I, I mean, Liverpool were 25 points clear when the pandemic hit. So I think if you're close in a title race and one team has momentum and then you stop for three months and you come back and that momentum has been lost, you could say, well, what would have happened? But Liverpool were winning the title either way. And, and I'm glad there was that gap there. So there is no question on that. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no asterisks. I mean, it, it didn't stop me shedding a tear. I've waited a long time. That, that day was incredible when it was sealed. And, and then, you know, it happened again. When I saw them lift the title, I was going, wow. You know, I, I remember one day Liverpool played West Ham in the FA Cup final. We were supposed to watch together against each other. And you're probably glad you didn't, sh- <laughs> you, you're probably glad you didn't show up that morning. Uh, I had, but- it was too early. I was still hung over. <laughs> True story. But, but- but but Liverpool mean mean the world to me. You know, I, I go back to the club. I have a lot of friends at the club. You know, I'm I'm, I'm close in, in close contact with a number of people that work at the club. So I, I was just so happy for everybody involved. I found well worth the wait. And kind of the, the same way you thought about how people won't forget MLS is back. It, it's all it's disappointing that they couldn't share that moment with the fans at Anfield. But the fans are probably at home, and you know more than this. And you know, this is a moment where they won't forget. I go, yeah, we, we missed it at the stadium, but we were at home with our loved ones and experienced it in unique. So it's not a, it can't be viewed as a total loss uh, when you think about the experience that those fans may have missed because they weren't at, at the stadium. Yeah, and, and that's a great way of looking at it. You're with your family. You're sitting there. You're celebrating together uh, as a group. So uh, would I have wanted fans in the stadium? Of course, but I, yeah, I've, got yeah. really, I've got really annoyed from day one at people saying, Football is nothing without fans. Yes, the fans in the stadium is really important, but there's millions around the world that were invested in those moments uh, when they were happening. So 
the fans were there. The players knew exactly what it meant to the fans. And, and one day soon, as Klopp said, you know, we will celebrate as a group together when this is all over. Um, but until then, I'll, I'll take winning the title in a pandemic over not winning the title at all. So that's how I look at it. Right. And I'm one of those who said football's nothing without the fans. But the only way we get fans back to football games is if we go through this process of playing in empty stadiums. It doesn't go sure. from no fans to packed stadiums. So I think all supporters fans have to look at this and say, all right, this is a means to an end. So I, we're all, I hope we're all on board with that. Keith, wonderful talking to you, my old friend. Uh, all the best. Sending all our love. Good luck. I know September is back at it. And best of luck with the Sounders. Not too much luck once MLS <laughs> is back. And good luck the rest of the way for you guys, too. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, thanks, pal. A reminder, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll get this podcast. We'll have a few little kinks coming on right now, but we'll We'll figure it out and we'll provide a great service. You can get to hear wonderful people like Keith Costigan. We'll hear you next time.